Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Lana Reed, and welcome back to another week's edition of Don't Box Me In. Uh, my guest today has recently released a, a book titled, Whose Apple Is It Anyway? It is a book that shows us that we can choose how to react to situations or circumstances. And our responses to these situations or circumstances can either empower or destroy our futures. If not aligned with our purpose, calling, and mission, our behaviors can short-circuit destiny by locking down our purpose, mission, and vision. Now, these are issues that we all struggle with at some point in our life. I know I've went through them. And our guest today, Linda Williams, is the founder and CEO of Who's Apple Empowerment Center and has a bachelor's in organizational leadership from Calvin College, a master's of social work from Western Michigan University, a graduate certification in substance and alcohol abuse, and she's currently a doctoral candidate in the Harold Abel School of Social and Behavioral Science of Capella University. That's a hand clap all the way around right there. I'm happy to get the chance to spend some time with her today, and I welcome her to the show. Welcome, welcome, Linda, to Don't Box Me In. I'm the blessed one here. <laughs> Uh, no. I'm so honored, and, oh. and I'm sitting here listening. I'm listening to you read off all the accolades, and all <laughs> I could think, Lana, was, and none of that really is the crux and foundation of the message in the book. You know, all of the research I had to do as I wrote that book, which took me seven years to write, but we'll talk about that down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, all the research I did really was digging into scripture mm-hmm. and making sure that I was theologically correct in my uh, observations. Um, all of that's good and it's great because it let, makes people listen to you. In this world, the more letters you have behind your name, the more apt you are to get audience in a lot of places where you can have major influence. Uh-huh. But really, girl, this seven-year healing process was grueling. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to warn you now, girl, I get a little teary talking about some of it, but I'm honored to be here today. Oh, I'm honored to have you with me. I tell people all the time, I say the same thing. I'm probably redundant, but I'm going to say it again. Anytime somebody gives me their time, you know, I realize that's a gift because you could be doing anything else, and it's a moment that you can never get back. So the fact that you're giving it to me, I'm just humbled, and I'm blessed to be able to spend this hour with you. So I want to thank you uh, for hanging out with me today and sharing your story. So uh, thank you again. Now, I want to get into the the book. Uh, I'm, I'm going to flip this up. I usually do this differently, but I'm going to start off with the book first of all. This 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 book whose apple is it anyway the title kind of you know kind of stuck with me right away when i when i read that tell mm-hmm. me what the, what the title was about well when i was writing it said seven years i did a majority of the progress on the book in the last two years after i got a writing coach nancy pesky is a best-selling author in her own right and she uh, was behind men are from mars women are from venus she worked okay. with mr gray on that she got quite um a resume herself and she told me you got to shorten this book girl mm-hmm. i had a title called uh, it ain't all about eve it ain't adam's apple and she said, you need to kind of figure out how to get a theme. And so as I – short, long story short, as I researched that, I came across a short story about Buddha. And you know every time you see a statue of him, he's generally sitting behind a begging basket. Yes. And 
some guy came along was just so offended by him, thought he was lazy, read him his beads up and down, told him you need to quit begging and get up and make makes you know make good for yourself, blah blah blah. And Buddha just sat there in the face of all of that and was cool and calm about it. And you know, just like it does when anybody's tripping around you, if you keep your cool, it just they just clown more. Mm-hmm. This guy went right back in the clown phase too, <laughs> and finally asked him, said, "Look, don't you hear what I'm saying to you? Do you understand what I'm saying to you?" How can you sit there so calm and Buddha calmly reached into his bag and basket, took out an apple and stretched it out to this mean old guy and said, if I have an apple and I hand it to you and you refuse to take it, then whose apple is it? Mm-hmm. And then the guy said, well, that's your apple, of course, and I'm not <laughs> taking it, blah, blah, blah. He said, well, you offer me insults and anger and I choose not to take that. You ask me why I'm staying calm because I choose not to take that. That's yours, not mine. And then it follows through to the Garden of Eden when 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 the certain was telling um Eve, think back now to this whole conversation between her. First of all, you clueless to too clueless to know you're not supposed to be talking to some dadgum snake. But okay, <laughs> let's get past that. You talking to a snake? Snake tell you, oh, it's all about you and you this and don't you want to that? See, she fell for that mess. She fell for thinking that that serpent was thinking all about her. That you know this this is this this piece of fruit is just what you want, and she didn't recognize in that moment, Lana. That that wasn't about her. It was all about that serpent, Satan, running rackets on God for getting his hiney kicked out of heaven. Now, he's trying to mess up God's plan. He's making it look like it's all about her. She falls for the ruse. She reaches out. She takes the, takes the apple. Instead of recognizing that really what that apple represented was his rebellious retaliation mm-hmm. against God. Well, in that moment that she took that apple and bit into it, she traded her harvest she walked the very ground of her destiny. She and Adam were hewn from the garden grounds. Mm-hmm. They walked the destiny God had for them. But in that moment, she traded her harvest for his and got a commensurate reward, kicked the heck up out of the garden. So this is all about the backstory. This is all about recognizing those bad apples and recognizing at, in that moment that you have the power to choose or not to choose to take that apple. Awesome. You know, there are so many lessons in, in what you just said. Um, you know, and, and so many times we're kind of floundering around. We don't have this knowledge. We haven't grown to that place in our life. And we, we keep on knocking ourselves up against these walls and we're wondering why. We're wondering why, but we're not paying attention to the lesson is so simplistic. You know, it, it's so, it's so easy, but you know, it takes us. I'm 46. I'm telling you now, Linda, some of this stuff, 35, 40, I, <laughs> I was still knocking my head on the wall. Like, why, why am I here? Why am I here? Cause I'm, I'm not paying attention to the lesson that I've learned and relearned yes. and relearned okay. again. <laughs> okay. Okay. But see, there's power in what you said. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because I was so deeply touched by what you said at the beginning about how every moment is so important, how precious time is and how how you spend your time and how you appreciate it the guests that you have and all that went through my spirit in hearing that Lana was all of the pain Mm -hmm. and the hurt and the changes that went 
into you coming to this point in your life as young as you are. 46 is not old. As young as you are coming to a point in your life where you appreciate that. Okay, and so we hear all that, but we don't hear your backstory. See, mm-hmm. and that can sound like just something she says to her guests, blah 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 blah. But it touched my heart because I know there had to be a lot of pain and learning that went into that. Now I want to talk about this cycle you just alluded to. Mm-hmm. We wonder why it is. Look, let me tell you something. I'm all suckerhead number one, and that's why Lord chose me to write this book. I didn't ask to write a book, wasn't on my bucket list, mm-hmm. but here we are, prime example of how destiny doesn't always look the way you think it is. Sure. But I want to talk to the audience now because we're all seeing this. And so you said, why are you still going through this? You're 46, you're very young still, but you're still learning these lessons. And it was kind of a frustration what you said. It's frustration we all feel about. I want better. Mm-hmm. I'm praying for better. I'm believing for better, but all of that is not lining up with the reality I'm facing now. And see, that's why this book is out there. It teaches us why it is we get in these patterns and these cycles and why all the wishing, waiting, and praying ain't cutting it mm-hmm. where the reality we're living is concerned. And when you tie that to the fact that what we're looking at now in our lives is part and parcel to the harvest and the seeds we planted along the way that we've got to figure out how come our harvest ain't lining up what we believe and want in our hearts. And that's a hard lesson to learn. It's simple, as you say, on some level. But when you want, but when it comes to applying it, I wrote the book because all of the accolades I'm hearing out of the daggum pulpit weren't doing me any good. I've been born again since nine years old. I was in the church, in the church, in the church. But I don't know what it means when you tell me to know who I am in Christ. What the heck is Mm -hmm. that? And what are you talking about, about some doggone flesh? Guess what? If I got to walk out of this church back into the life that's the reality of what I'm living, and I still don't know where the rubber meets the road, where the gospel's concerned, then I'm still in a one-down position. Because guess what? The enemy's got a better vantage point than I do. And on anybody's battleground, if the enemy's got a higher vantage point than you do, you in a one-down position. Especially when he can sneak and hide behind the crap that's got us stuck. Mm-mm-mm. Awesome, awesome. Now you just mentioned, um, you know, you were born again, born again Christian since nine years old, but you had you leave the church, and and you know we as Christians we find this all the time. You know, we're in church, we're in our Bibles, we're in Bible study on you know Wednesdays and stuff like that, but we we leave and we have these realities of life that we're dealing with that um, sometimes it's hard to hmm, it's hard to balance it all out. Yes. Yes, yeah, because you don't know what it means. I yes. mean, you hear the same phrases over and over again. Look, I am the least religious person you ever want to know. Mm-hmm. I've got no pace, and now I'm saying I ain't talk about nobody in particular. Everybody send the letters to Lana's Heine. <laughs> I'm going to tell y'all, I don't. I, there's, organized religion has no place for me. Gotcha. Because when you read the Bible and everywhere you see the word Pharisee, if you draw a red circle and a red line through the circle over the word Pharisee and write in the word religion, you will understand that Jesus Christ, when he walked this earth, he wasn't all about all that religion. He was all about relationship. And we need to get back to our one-on-one with God. Because when we have that one-on-one with 
relationship with him, we're not going to be able to delude ourselves in a whole lot of areas. Okay? Now, I, I mean, I, I'm sitting up there wanting, wishing better. What I do, I married a daggone rapist. Why? Because I was internalizing a rape over 30 years, thinking it was my fault and couldn't even talk about it. That's prime example of how we draw into our lives what's going on, those unexpressed, unrecognized expectations that are that are turning around in our souls is what's drawing what we see in our life. It's not what we know in our head and really believe we want that's making it make that that's that's calling those shots. We have got to connect through healing, inside out healing in our souls. We cannot connect to the destiny that God has for us. Mm-hmm. We we can't do it because everything in our lives from the time we took our last breath has been designed by the enemy to morph and twist us out of our God-given characters. That character is part of our spiritual toolkit. Our spiritual toolkit includes everything we need to accomplish our purpose in this earth. And our spiritual tools are only as effective and powerful as we remain the character God created us and every ploy of the devil from the time you take your first breath is designed to twist and morph you out of the character God gave you into something the complete opposite and that why the soul is the prime target that's why he targets it with extreme prejudice twist us up in our soul you got destiny on lockdown Mm, mm, mm. awesome 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 destiny on lockdown so if we have destiny on lockdown um, why are we floundering Oh, why are we floundering? Because we don't recognize that destiny is on lockdown. When I say destiny is on lockdown, I mean that it's it. you can't accomplish it in that condition. I mean that your whole purpose in life is gotcha. on lockdown by the enemy. I mean the enemy's got the upper hand. He has targeted your soul with one of his arrows. You clueless as to the fact that you bleeding out, that your whole personality has been morphed and twisted by what you've been through. As long as you're morphed and twisted out of the, your God-created character, your toolkits and your purpose are on lockdown until you can drop those chains of the past. And that's what the book is all about. That's why we're floundering. See, this thing is, you know, it sounds all simple to hear it, but until your head announces this to your heart, it has no power in your life. And it's easier said than accomplished because because it takes submitting to multiple layers of healing. And those layers of healings are under a, a, a hard crust that we have over our hearts in a matter of subconsciously protecting ourselves from going through the hurt we've already been through. Okay, Now, because this is insidious and we don't recognize how it's playing out in our lives, that's the danger of the thing. A whole bunch of people have taken their last breast line Mm-hmm. And not recognize this thing. And see, that's why I'm here. I believe that's my purpose. I believe that I'm here to be open and honest about the stupid things I've done in my life. The reality and rawness of that as I went through it. And let people know that I'm not up here holding a microphone because <laughs> I got it locked up because of a bunch of doggone degrees. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. We're going to talk a little bit more about the reality and rawness of your life when we come back from a uh, commercial break. Stay with me. We'll be back with more Linda Williams right after this. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. 
Hello, hello, and welcome back. Don't box me in. Today I'm spending some time with the author of the book, Whose Apple Is It Anyway? Miss Linda uh, Williams. And before the uh, break, uh, we were getting a powerful message. Um, but right before the break, Linda, you were talking about some of the realities and rawness of your life. And I always like my audience to, to know who their person is, like you said, beyond the letters behind your name, and to let them know that uh, I'm here talking to you about this message I'm giving to you from experience. You know, I'm just I'm just not pulling this out my dairy ear. I, I've got a story behind me, and um, I, you know, I guess we could just pick a point because you you went through some things, some things that I don't yeah. know many of us could bear and be on this side, you know, of triumph like you are. Um, but maybe we can talk about your marriage. You were married for 17 years, right? Yep. Yeah, I was. Uh, the second one. Yep. The second one. And well, you talk about your marriage. <laughs> 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 Which one? <laughs> we're going to get it right. One of these ones, right? We're going to keep on trying until we get it right. <laughs> yeah, that was the that was the most dramatic one, yes. Okay. I wound okay. up being married to a man who – um. After after we separated, and then we were separated about a year, and then we got a divorce, then he's all in the news for having molested one of his clients. He went and got a master's of social work, and he was a counselor in a drug rehabilitation program at the time, and it came out in the news that he was molesting one of his clients. Well, okay, long story short, he got off on six months on that one, all right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he had already just come out of prison from being accused of raping a woman that, you know, I'm believing him, girl, that oh, I didn't do that. And she's just lying and blah, blah, blah. And so he comes out, he gets a degree. He goes into this. He molests her. He gets off on six months because they wouldn't release her from a probation violation and send her back here to trial. So he played down to six months. He was out after six months for 10 days before he was back in there for having rape two prostitutes okay mm-hmm. and um they st- the way the news article read was the police were taking the statement of the first prostitute and the phone rang and it was a second prostitute with the same story long story short he's in prison for 70 for 75 years okay mm-hmm. now i went through 16 ma- years of marriage with this man I didn't understand that he was that twisted up. I saw him with blood-curdling screams jumping up out of nightmares and not being able to tell me about it. But I was such a wounded individual that apparently I was able to f- turn a blind eye to a lot of the warning signs. Here this warning signs along the way. Okay. And so, yeah, he turned out to be a rapist and a child molester because he molested my teenage daughter. Mm-mm-mm. Now, I find out all of this August 1st, I think it was 20, two, August 1st, 2001. Okay. I was had in a nervous breakdown and had to take like six weeks off work right after that, trying to pull myself together. And I came out of that intensive treatment still not aware of how my entire past had just had me so twisted up that I didn't know who I really was. And I definitely couldn't stand up for myself. So... What it boils down to is after internalizing several rapes, all right, mm-hmm. I wound up becoming that wrong that was done to me. 
unbeknownst to me now, mm-hmm. I'm harboring this with self-loathing and, you know, all of this stuff I'm internalizing about the rapes. What I do, I wind up marrying a rapist. It's just such a prime example of how I knew I wouldn't ever just deliberately marry a rapist. I wanted a man who loved me. I wanted a man who would reciprocate the way I gave in a relationship. But, but I just kept fishing out the idiot barrel. I just kept <laughs> choosing knuckleheads that were incapable of reciprocating which just perpetuated the same hurt I was already internalizing. So it's not that any of us go into these things wanting that mess, Mm -hmm. okay? But we're blinded to how our whole psyche, the way we see the world is twisted up as a result of what we went through and as a result of, of, of the pain that we're harboring in our souls trying to stuff trying to ignore, at the same time telling ourselves internally, well, I'm never going to let that happen again. But it doesn't matter what you're doing when you have these defense mechanisms is you're being twisted out of who God created you to be. The real Linda, I come to find out years later, I had completely turned my back on her. The loving, sensitive girl that would cry with you at a drop of a hat, whose heart was on her sleeve, who could feel empathy for other people, who could cry with you, who was connected to God and could pray for you. I didn't even remember her. Mm. Took my sister decades down the line say, Linda, do you remember who you were when you before you left home? No. <laughs> well, this is how you did. Don't don't you remember this? Don't you? no. She said, Linda, people generally block out bad stuff. You completely forgotten all the good stuff. Mm-mm-mm. That's how I was protecting myself. Now, don't you know, I could not move into my purpose for being as long as I was morphed into this new Linda. I call her tough girl in the book. Now, I am morphed into tough girl. Can't talk to me. I cuss you out in the New York minute. Look <laughs> at you. Stab you. Then look at you and blame you for bleeding on the carpet like I didn't have nothing to do with that. Then give a flying rip. That's mm-hmm. who I had become. Mm-hmm. And it didn't protect me because it perpetuated that stuff in my life. Look, this is the bottom line, Lana. If you can't face it, God can't fix it. True. True. But you know, you're walking around, you're walking around though, um, I'm assuming, let me, let me just make this, Mm -hmm. you're walking around thinking you're functioning, thinking you're okay, thinking ain't nothing wrong, ain't wrong with, nothing wrong with me. Nothing wrong with me. (laughs) You know? That's like, like got this big sign on. What's your major malfunction? Cause ain't nothing wrong with me. Exactly. And we laughing, but that is so real. It's funny when you talk about it. That's exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what's going on because we don't see this mess. We don't see how we're coming off to other people. And we don't see how our behaviors in that condition are seeding the harvest we're looking at instead of seeding the harvest that we want. In other words, we walking out of bad situations into some more mess. The book tells you how to walk out of that mess into a better harvest. Make sure you walking out of that mess into a better harvest instead of into some more mess. Okay. And see, it's it's layers of, of, of having to recognize your own behaviors. And look, Linda, you could have been in a relationship with me and seen all day long, just like a neon sign, something wrong with Linda. Mm-hmm. You could have seen it because you were in a relationship with me, but I wasn't going to be here in that. Mm-hmm. True. See? So you, you have to have truthful, trusted others who aren't scared of your hiney. 
Don't mind how you trip when they tell you truth. And you got to learn how to be able to settle down and hear that truth in order to work your plan. See, because I give you a plan. I give you two powerful tools in the book to work through all of this. Got you, got you. You know, and, and like you said, it's up. You can have loved ones around you, family, friends, coworkers. They you know, know your butt. You know, Lana, something wrong with you, Lana. That ain't right, Lana. No, that ain't the way to go. But you know, if I'm not ready to be in that place, feel me. If yes. I'm not ready, and you know, like, like you, you, you're completely functioning. You're doing, you're doing the thing. I'm probably going to school. I'm getting, you know, I'm starting to get yeah. my letters. I'm yeah. going to a job. You know, they yeah. recognize me as this amazing supervisor, worker, whatever. You know, I think yeah. I'm, the, I think I'm the it. You know, but come but on I'm, now, I'm broken. Feel me? And as long as we're in that broken condition, we really cannot step into our purpose because. So when you come here and God gives you your personality, he gives you natural skills and abilities. He makes you the person you need to be to fit into the master plan where he wants you to be, right? So we call that our spiritual toolkit. It's our spiritual birthright, okay? But our personalities that he gives us are part and parcel to the entire birthright because if that gets twisted out, then all of your two skills and abilities are weakened because, number one, can't nobody get along with your hiney. Okay, mm-hmm. so so we know that everybody's interconnected in the master plan. You can't maintain a healthy relationship. You can't even be the divine connection God means for you to be when He means you to be that to other people because you all twisted up, can't get along with anybody, mm-hmm. or you isolate like I did for years, won't go out the house, or God means for you to be a lion and you acting like a lamb. God needs you to be more of a lamb. You acting like a lion. Everything's discombobulated, see? Mm-mm-mm. And, 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 and so every tool he gave you to, your whole purpose ain't working right now. See, you can have some level of success. You go get those degrees, okay? You can have some level of success. You might even get rich, okay? My thing is this. Are you happy? Is your job a joy or a job? Okay? Are you, are you in your purpose? And whatever you accomplish in your own right is nowhere near what God has for you anyway. But you ain't happy because something in you know something's out of place. Mm-hmm. And you see these patterns. See, okay, you can go off on somebody, he probably deserved it. But if you see a pattern of that, mm-hmm. there's a problem. If you got a pattern of not getting along, there's a problem. I, I'm going to give you a prime example. I looked up and nobody was there to help me. I was like bankrupt. Uh, it was right after the divorce, I went bankrupt. Uh, I was about to be homeless, kicked out of my place. I had piles and piles of debt on me to the point where the bankruptcy lawyer said he ain't never seen nothing like that in his life. Mm. Okay. Now, I'm back on the verge of a nervous breakdown. I'm not eating. I dropped 15, 20 pounds. I'm just an absolute mess, and I'm mad at everybody now. Okay. Nobody there to help me. I'm always there to help everybody else. Who's here to help me? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I just decided I was cutting everybody loose, cut my boyfriend loose, <laughs> cut cut the old drunk girlfriend loose. You know? <laughs> I'm riding to work one day, girl, and I see the the boyfriend and the drunk girlfriend sitting <laughs> on either side of me. I'm in the middle, looking like Joe. Girl, everybody ashed all over. Everybody, everybody gray. Uh-huh. I, I had a pile on my head. Okay, yeah. so. The Lord, so I looked at that preacher. I was really a vision. I was driving. I said, Lord, that'll preach. He wasn't through with me. He said, and you the worst out of all of them because you know better. Uh-huh. And it slapped me down. I got the pile. I think I'm so much better than these people because I finally smell in the coffee when the pot's half full. 
you know, have gone. And, and, and he pointed out to me, you ain't no better than they are, but you worse because you know better. They don't know no better. And what I did was I caught a vision, and out of that, you know, the first thing I say in the book, I said, now here I am, not off my high horse, here I am standing on the corner of Better Do Better Boulevard uh, uh, and stuck on Stupid Street. <laughs> Can't even take the bus because I got a purse full of nothing but consequences. I ain't no better than nobody else. You feel me? True. Okay. And so then, then they gave me a picture of my mother who was darn near in her 80s and had been believing for a house. And you know what came to me, Lana, in that moment? What if my mother's blessing, this God-fearing woman, what if her blessing and that desire of her heart was on hold because I'm stuck on stupid? What if I was the conduit through which God wanted to bless her? And then I took that to another level. It doesn't matter how much knowledge, skills, and abilities I have, because the lessons benefiting others in the kingdom is not even benefiting me. It doesn't matter unless that's being used for God's purposes and blessing other people. Girl, I was so hurt because then I got a glimpse of why it's important important for me to be on my path of purpose why it's so important for me to let god heal me and move me back into purpose why it's so important for me to be who he created me to be instead of this tough girl that keeps getting into trouble because other people are waiting on us god's got a plan and we all fit together like a puzzle and it's not just about me mm-hmm Okay, it's about everybody else who's connected through my purpose in the master plan. We all, and I we all owe him yeah. better than that. That's true. We all have a purpose. We all fit together. And, you know, sadly, I don't think we realize how that all works out together. Now, I, I don't want you to lose that moment because we got to take a quick commercial break. But when we come back, I want to pick back up on purpose and, and how important it is. Stay with okay. me. Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. Welcome back. Welcome back. Today I am the founder and CEO of Who's Apple Empowerment Center, Miss Linda Williams. And uh, they say when two or more are gathered and we are gathered today. Uh, before the uh, break, you were talking about purpose. And I, I really kind of, I like that. I want to go, I want to stay on that. But I also want to bring up in your book, you have this topic, this concept called leveraging adversity and redirecting purpose. So what what is that all about in your book um, and how do we start to kind of go in that direction? We've got to stop running. Mm-hmm. Okay. We've got to stop running, Lana, because it's going to take us stopping and turning around and facing what we've got locked in the closet that we can't face. It's about our past. And once we can really heal enough to be able to forgive those people, you don't get a break. You've got to forgive. Then you move into the phase of healing where the Lord reveals how your past is messing up your current living. The way you think your perspective is like dirty glasses. Every hurt is thrown on your glasses and nobody can tell you that you're not seeing. You're clueless, okay? But the way we leverage that pain, like those rapes and everything that I went through, it had me morphed. I had to 
heal enough to forgive. I had to recognize where my responsibility began and ended in that. In other words, I thought I deserved that rape. I didn't have a clue that somebody sodomizing you in a hotel room and leaving you bleeding from the rectum should have even had me calling the doctor. It took mm-hmm. a guy asking me 30 years later, did you go to the doctor, for me to realize that I had internalized that rape like I deserved it because mm-hmm. I made a dumb decision. And mm-hmm. he told me, Linda, you got to separate yourself out from that. He said, where in that scenario does that man own what he did to you? He said, your responsibility and that began and ended with the choice to let him in your room. But you didn't even know that that guy was a rapist when you did that. So it doesn't matter how naive you were in that. From the point where he decided he was going to do you wrong on was his to bear. You have got to separate yourself from that wrong that was done to you. And for a lot of you women that are out there, there are women, the Lord has shown me that there are women in their 60s, 70s, and 80s sitting in the pews, mothers of the church that have never been able to open up and talk about a rape or molestation. Mm-hmm. He showed me that this book is going to free them. So you turn around, you separate yourself from the wrong that was done to you on your own responsibility to the extent that you're supposed to and you learn the lesson. It's only when you learn the lesson in that can you take that lesson and flip the script on the enemy by leveraging that You leverage it by, okay, this is what I did wrong. The rest of that was them. You leverage it by realizing that, okay, how do I not make that mistake again? Lord, show me where I was blinded to, 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 to whatever it was inside me that, that allowed me to put myself in that position. You take what you learn and you move forward into your purpose knowing that, okay, now I know that. I know what not to do anymore. I'm going to leverage the lesson. I got to know that they got to own their own harvest. Now I stop becoming the wrong that was done to me. As long as you don't forgive, as long as you internalize that wrong with bitterness, hatred, anger, and the unforeseen ways that it scarred us in our souls, then you are really not able to leverage that and move forward on your path of purpose. Land is like this. God, we start out on our path of purpose. Every time somebody does you wrong, they slap you down. You mm. get up, straighten out your clothes, keep stepping, but you don't realize that you're stepping in the wrong direction. See, as long as we're off, I say, I say this in the book, Epigraph says the path of purpose is paved with healing. Healing goes as deep as the wound or as deep as you let it. And what we've got is, as you said earlier, butterfly bandages on gaping wounds that cut to the doggone bone. Mm-hmm. So the surface heals over and we think that we're healed. But every time somebody brushes up against that wound, it's wide open and oozing again. So now we snatch right back to where the trauma first started. We don't even realize. See, that's what we do. We're at the end of this long rubber band. And um, unbeknownst to these people in our lives now, they might say or do something that's a trigger for us. And it snatches us all the way back to the moment where that wrong was done to us. And now we're reacting in the here and now based on that past. Mm -hmm. See, for me, well-respected labor leader, management loves me. I'm a federal employee, federal labor leader. All the management all the way up to Washington, D.C., I like me. And now you don't both like no labor leader, but that's God's way the way he grew me up. Okay, right? But I got this thing that snatches me back. All you got to do is falsely accuse me of something and not give me a way to tell you I didn't do it. And I'm sitting there looking up in my mouth. 
mother's face as a nine-year-old girl crying and frustrated because I wasn't allowed to even say I'm not guilty of that. Now, how many of you know that this 58-year-old woman with all of this professional respect, all these professional degrees, that ain't going to work if I'm called to leaders? That's true. That's a prime example of how that happens. See, I can't – I've got to recognize I have a problem to recognize I am the dang problem. Okay. You, you know, and, and that, that's kind of the question that has been on my mind listening to you talk. Because we have, with you, we have years of, you know, here's, you know, I get knocked down, I dust myself off, I keep moving, thinking I'm functioning, functioning, then I get knocked down again, I get up, brush myself off, I think I'm functioning, and I keep on, so you have these layers and layers and layers of hurt, I'm angry, I'm, I'm lashing out in these ways that I'm, what was that moment where Linda looks at herself in the mirror and says, Linda, you know what? This, this, this is madness. I got to change this. What, what, what was your one, moment? It wasn't any one moment, and it never is in anybody's life. It's multiple moments. My sister called me 12, 17, 2005, said you're going to write a book. <laughs> but, Linda, you are not going to. That book will only progress to the degree that you heal. She said, you will heal throughout the writing of this book. That's why it took seven years. There wasn't any one moment. Because I was blind to all of the different things. That 30-year rape, I couldn't even write, girl. I couldn't understand why I was forcing it. Words falling like amble, no anointing on them. That incident happened where the guy asked me, did you go to the doctor? I revealed the full story of the rape, uncleaned up, not trying to protect myself, not trying to let it all out. He points out to me that I had become that rapist Mm. because I thought I deserved it. Okay? That began my healing, and I was able to move along in the book. You have multiple areas, multiple incidents where God will answer your simple question. What is my major malfunction, Lord? What is my major malfunction? And he's going to show you, but he's going to show you through other people. He's going to let you see. You don't, you don't get to, you don't flunk no classes up in this <laughs> you get to take the lesson over and over and over and over until you get it. Why? Because God cannot afford to allow you into your purpose in that broke down, hurt condition. Gotcha. He yeah. needs us there fully. And there are multiple layers that we have to let him tell us which layer it's going to be. So you will have multiple epiphanies along the way. I know we're running out of time, but I need to uh I really feel led I tell people this 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 um this example. You know, I did a lot of research. I looked into, you know, old historical um records and stuff and and I found where there was this where this guy called King Mazenshu said he was so evil that none of the gods were good enough for him. He was just rebellious to the bone. And King Mazenshu used to tie people face to face and hand to hand to dead bodies to let them run in the uh. mess. And I tell people, I said, you know, Paul was very educated. He was well educated in the Roman culture as well as he was a Jew. So he was so smart that he probably was referring back to this Greek mythology. When he said, who will free me from this body of death? Now, I tell people in the book, this body of death represents our past, okay? When you look in the mirror and you're seeing yourself through all of those scars that hurt your past, you become the wrong that was done to you. It's like being strapped to this dead body. Now, you chained to this body, locked in, can't get loose. Now, when you look in the mirror, what do you see? You see that dead body. You really 
that you're that dead body. And in this scenario, that dead body represents the past. So it's like uh, Frankenstein. He's a piece together conglomerate of a lot of dead bodies. He's just a walking dead. Well, it's like we become a piece together conglomerate. Our past is a piece together conglomerate of people throwing pieces of their dead flesh at us because they're hurt, believing they were the wrong that was done to them. And it's tantamount to them throwing that rotten Frankenstein flesh at us and we open right up and take it in and it becomes us okay and i say that body of death represents our past the chains that tie us to that body of death are the thoughts and can can break in the thoughts that we have about our past the way that we see the world the way that a whole purview of the world is twisted because of that past and the only thing that's going to break us free from that is the thoughts those chains represent our thoughts and once we can let God up into our heads and to help us to see through that facade then the chains fall off we can see our past for what it is we can put it where it needs to be and we can move forward leveraging the past now we we, we get on past a lot by just forgetting about it. a lot of people don't even remember the trauma they went through but you remember that path you leverage that past you put that past away where it needs to be and you move forward into your purpose so I call this whole defense dynamic of what we become, the way we try to protect ourselves constantly from ever being hurt again, the way that draws into, I call it Fakenstein instead of Frankenstein, <laughs> F-A-K-E-N-Stein. And see, our whole fake perspectives, see, Fakenstein don't give a rip about your mission, your purpose, and your destiny. And and, and the whole ruse. Satan ain't busy, devil ain't busy. He got one note, one note only. I call him one note dead, off <laughs> focus. And this is what I want your audience to take away from here today. No matter what condition you are in, you can, you can make a difference right where you are. You have to stay focused where your purpose, mission, and destiny is concerned as you heal. Stolen focus, stolen vision. Stolen vision. Stolen purpose, stolen purpose, stolen destiny, period. That's all she wrote, the pencil broke. Gavel down. There you it's go. all about being off focus. I want to encourage everybody that it doesn't matter what a basket case you think you are. All you got to do is sit right where you are. God's chomping at the bit to show you your purpose and your destiny. He waiting on you to ask him. And I'm encouraging everybody, no matter what a basket case you think you are, to just look up to God and say, show me, Lord. Show me where I'm off focus and help me to know how to heal. Focus and no faking. That's what we're going to do. Moving forward and get right. He on view, man. He, he look, his whole thing is to keep you from recognizing where he is. There you go. Linda, we go take our last commercial break of the day. I'm having such a good time with you. Stay with me, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Today I have been spending some time with Linda Williams. She is the author of the book, Whose Apple Is It Anyway? And I want to do some uh, shameless plugging here this last little time we have left. Linda, you've uh, started, you're the founder of Whose Apple Empowerment Center. How, how long ago was that? That came out of the book. So that's only been out about three years. 
All right. So tell what what goes on there at the Empowerment Center. Oh, we do we do life coaching. We do relationship coaching. I leverage my labor management background to do organizational training on leadership. It just is all about destiny, really personal responsibility and emotional intelligence and understanding how uh, what how we see our Themselves in a work environment, organizational mission can really lock down the mission. Basically, it boils down to, you know, uh, culture, eat strategy for lunch, and your culture really comes down from the head. So it's all about everything purpose and destiny related. They can email me if they want more information or just go to the website. I've got it all there for them. Thank you. Oh, no problem. No problem. Personal responsibility. I like that. Um, not only in the workplace, but, you know, now I'm going to end up segueing back to what we were talking about before. But in your life, mm-hmm. uh, we, we we have to take some personal responsibility. Sometimes we get into these pits and, you know, it's it's everybody else's fault but ours. You know, you have, you have to. <laughs> I love to laugh every time you say that. You just read my beads, man. Girl, I was so stuck on stupid. It was just ridiculous. I mean, look. So stuck on stupid. See, you can always see everybody else's problem more mm-hmm. than you see your own. Girl, it was just a holy mess. And, and, and personal responsibility really is more than it sounds. You can say that easily, but it's really a competency that you have to achieve, uh, through some of the tools that I give you in the book. Um, purpose has got to be job one. Um, you know, I kept writing the book, writing the book, didn't know when am I ever going to be done with this book, Lord. You know, I had pretty much made up my mind that I was going to be writing that book in perpetuity. And every time something came up, Lord, okay, help me learn my lesson like quick. I am tired of writing this book, please. Uh-huh. And and one day I knew I was going to be done. I was watching ESPN and this young ball player was on there and he was talking about how he hated run that he was a, he was an NFL Hall of Famer he, and uh he was a running back broke all records girl in his rookie year broke records why are you doing you hate to run you this he said well I guess I was playing to a purpose higher than the game That's and when I heard that young man um um Curtis Martin, I think his name was. He, when I heard that phrase, something went off in my spirit, and I said, I'm fitting to write the last chapter of this book, Hallelujah, Lord, because it's all about playing to a purpose higher than the game. You have got to have a purpose in mind. It's about more than the big cards and the big things. And the Lord blessed me with this, and I'm wearing this clothes to church, and I got these shoes. You know what? He'll add all that to you, but your whole focus has got to be, no matter what's going on around you, that purpose has got to be your focus because that's when the gun's going to guide you to do what you need to do to walk into a better harvest as opposed to getting caught up in the fray that young man's story was inspirational i end the book with that story and and, and before we end I, it's on my heart to share one more thing and i know i'm talking all over you but i got to get this out <clears throat> i want everybody that's within the sound of my voice right now to understand that Your purpose, your destiny are born out of the heart of God. You you were created for a reason. He created 
with your destiny in mind. And guess what? It doesn't matter what we think, what he says, go. He doesn't renege on that. He's not going to flip the script on that. Can't nothing take him by surprise. It's all she wrote. The pencil broke. And all he sees when he looks at you, even in your mess, is your destiny and your purpose for breathing. Mm-mm. That said, destiny cannot deny you. And I want you to understand that only we can deny destiny. Destiny is right where God put it. It ain't going nowhere. And my whole purpose, I believe, Lana, is to help people to understand how in where rubber meets the road, how to play to a purpose higher than the game, and to understand that their destiny is etched in the very heart of God Almighty. And it cannot deny them. There's hope. Wonderful message. I have about three minutes left, and I want to you, – you've been saying something all day long, purpose, 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 destiny, destiny, destiny. And, you know, I know in the work that I do, um, I run across people, and I can see it. I'm looking at them, and, I, and I'm like, you're, you're just – you're just flipping around. You're not living your life on your in your purpose. Yes. But they don't know what it is. Yeah. So <laughs> my question to you in this yeah. little bit of time that we have left, mm-hmm. how do you how do you direct somebody to see what their purpose is? Okay. It's all caught up in what I said earlier about your toolkit. What do you have? a natural bit for what do you enjoy doing is is it singing in the shower is it drawing is it writing do you do poetry what are the things that you really enjoy doing that'll give you a hint as to your purpose okay um if, are there social causes that get you all up in arms what do you see that gets your goat that might be a key to your purpose it's not something that's out there in the cosmos you got to try to pull it out it resides in you so what you want to do is really connect people to the things they really love to do. What do they talk about? Take them back to when they were a kid. I started to book out, you know, and what did you say you wanted to be when you grew up? Mm-hmm. Whatever happened to that dream? Mm-hmm. Take them back. See, and, and, and it's right there inside them. But what we do is we get cut off from all of those things caught up with life and we forget about all of that. So it's that simple. Just walk them through. What do you love to do? Mm-hmm. What do you love to do? That yes. is your purpose. That is your yes. purpose. And that's that tied to your purpose. Becomes your yes. destiny. Awesome. Yeah. What are they good at? What do they have a natural ability for? People tell me I have a natural ability to get attention when I speak. Okay? That's always been there. Mm-hmm. Whether I knew it or not. It's all in you. And, and trust me, Lana, you'll see it before they do. Yes, and will. you know, you know, and you usually I find that usually you do, but it's mm-hmm. it's making that other person understand. You know, this this is this is what you have. This is what your gift is. And and, and until you start letting that blossom, you're going to be unhappy. You know, mm-hmm. it, your life does not come to a state of, of fulfillment and and contentment until you start walking the walk that you are here to be walking. And that key is different with each person you see and talk to. So I encourage you to ask the Lord to show you supernatural wisdom and put the words in your mouth as to when and what to say to who. Because it's just one word spoken at the right time. One word, one time at the right time that's going to unlock that for them. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So, Miss Linda, we are at the end of the hour. Um, Let me see here. Tell people where they can get the book at. Whose Apple is it anyway? Whose Apple dot org. W-H. 
S-E.org. Connect to all social media. I'm at, at Who's Apple on Twitter. Go to my website. You can connect to me through all platforms there. All righty. Awesome. I have had such a good time talking to you today. Just my spirit is in a whole different place than when I started. And, you know, so that lets me know off the bat that I was meant to be here today. Uh, my guest Thanks. today has been Miss Linda Williams. Thank you again for hanging out with me. Please, once again, visit her website, Who'sApple.org. Linda, thank you. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Blessed and a pleasure. That's all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There's always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I'm your host, Lana Reed, and I'll see you next week.